When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome 2019 to Knife Talk. The podcast for knife nerds, knife makers, and anybody with an appreciation of knives. I'm hosted by myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts, and Jeff, Happy New Year. Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. Boom. How's everybody? Happy New Year, everybody. How is, how is your week? Yeah. It's glad to be back. I hope you guys had a nice little bit of time off. And how is everybody? What's been everybody up to? It's been a busy time. Uh, it's been a busy time. Yeah. So it feels like we haven't done this for so long because we pre-recorded yeah. a few episodes, didn't we, before Christmas? Damn right we did. For sure. And Morocco's been away and we've all had our Christmas breaks. But um, it's been it's been very good. So it was a relaxing Christmas. I've been back in the shop um, working on a bunch of bunch of knives, to, which will be stock knives, to go up on the website, which will be available on Monday. So by the time you hear this... Um, and just getting stuff in line, ready for a productive year, really. So I've got lots of plans, lots of things happening, a few collaborations, um, a few sort of special knives that I'll be unveiling over the coming months. Um, exciting stuff. I've gone into the new year feeling sort of invigorated. So, yeah, it's all good. All good. That's good. And how are, they, how are your children? Nice. How are your new babies? They're, they're perfect. Yeah. They're sleeping well. They're eating well. They're, yeah, they're, you know, at the end of the day, it's still every three hours they're waking up for feeds and so on but you know it's manageable that's, it's all good that's pretty it's good. good pretty good three hours is pretty good they can yeah. sleep through three hours pretty good exactly it's all good it's all what about yourself Morocco? you've been away i have been away yeah i just got back actually two days ago uh it was a nice long 16 hour day of travel from the west coast back to the east coast Oof. um we had a flight delay uh that put us like there was an issue with one of the the generators on the plane so they're like yeah we can't use this plane so they had us get on get off the plane and get on another problem for me is that sounds easy enough except for i have uh our two-year-old son so Mm. i'm juggling my giant backpack carry on his car seat and i'm strapping and strapping in and unstrapping those things is a pain in the ass if anybody's ever had to do it you know what i'm talking about but uh uh and also i'm under the weather i got a nice cold um so but anyways so yeah we got home safe but the trip was good it's great to see family 
Uh, and as uh, I announced last week, uh, I am going to be moving back. So did a little work, a little pounding the pavement, kind of check out some spots and some potential areas to uh, to start my new shop up when I get back into town, back into Olympia, Washington. Nice. Uh, excuse me, back into Olympia, Washington. It, yeah. looks, it looks like you are forming the Legion of Doom, by the way. It looks forming like the Legion of Doom. It looks like the Legion yeah, of Doom is being reunited. <laughs> yeah, I was... Hanging out with Mr. Jeremy Spake and my buddy uh, Ian Rogers of Hayburn Knives. Uh, I also got a hold of uh, my buddy uh, Luis Pina. Oh, yeah. Love uh, Luis. Pina Knives. Yeah, he's actually in Olympia, so it'll be cool to be super close to him. Uh, the guy, Jeremy and Ian are only about an hour, hour and a half from me uh, or from that area, so that's not too bad. It's about as far as you are from me, Jeff, right mm. now. Mm. And uh, but yeah, it was good. The holidays were good. Got some nice little gifts. Got some new socks. Got <laughs> <laughs> oh. gotta got love those trusty new holiday socks. <laughs> new socks and pants, lovely. <laughs> Actually, wearing a new pair of Carhartt pants myself right now. They're nice. so stiff. They're so stiff they can walk themselves. Great. <laughs> well, and they're probably this they're, show. We brought you flan- by Jeff's pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, baby. Every time you wash they're them, they get a little line. stiffer. They fucking. My wife used to wash these pants. Why you get the new car pants? She's just like I. I just stand. I pull them out of the washing machine and just stand them up, and they stand by themselves. <laughs> Teenage boy pants. They're flannel lined, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Erection pants. Oh, sorry, 2019. We started off hard. Oh! <laughs> so, Jeff, it. I'm sorry. How was your yeah. Christmas? Apart from it your was, pants. I, 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 worked, uh, I worked through Christmas. I, I took Christmas Day off, which was nice. And then I worked the rest of the week. Uh, and uh, I only took four days off. And it was a very, very relaxing four days. I didn't think I could do it. But uh, thanks to Tom McLean sent me some hand cream, uh, and I was massaging my disgusting hands for four days, and they feel so great and uh, sharp and shiny. This is the hand-picked king. He knows how to take care of hands. So he sent me some uh, I don't know, some hand balm, and uh, and and I was uh, I cooked some food, and we relaxed, and I went to the city, saw the. Andy Warhol exhibit at the Whitney. That was fun. And um, just, you know, it was a very relaxing. And now I've been back at the shop this week and I'm fired up. Did some new things and got a few new things out and I'm fired up. Let's do this. Cool. Cool. So we've actually got um, a gift for our listeners. So we've got a new sponsor. So the biggest question we're always being asked is grinders. What grinders do you guys use and what can you recommend and what's cheap, what's available in the US, what's available in Europe and all the rest of it. So we've been in touch with AM Concepts, um, which is amtactical.com or AM Concepts with a K on Instagram. Um, And Morocco is actually, he's just, he's just got one of their new grinders. Um, but we'll go into that in just a minute. But they've got a get. We've got a gift for our listeners. So if you use the code AMK10 on their website, you're going to get ten percent off any of their grinders. Um, and I'll give you an example. That their AMK77, which is their their the sort of premium premium grinder with all the bells and whistles that comes with a a straight platen. It also got that twelve insulated wheel. That's just one thousand three hundred ninety nine dollars. But you also get this discount with using the promo code AMK10. So next time somebody asks us which grinders are good value for money, which are available in the US, AM Concepts, which is amtactical.com. 
That's a really good price, especially if they're giving that's you the a really con- good price. If they're giving you the even without the discount, if they're giving you the contact wheel too, that's a pretty good, pretty good price. Yeah, really, yeah, good price. especially for that size size contact wheel for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge contact yeah, wheel, a contact wheel and a platen. Fantastic. And we've we've talked about this this grinder before because I know Mareko, you've used it, haven't you, at at um, at Neon um, Kamamura's place? Absolutely, um, yeah. Which is why you've chosen one yourself as well. Um, so it's all good. So show them some love on Instagram too. So AM Concepts and Concepts is with a K. Go and have a look at their stuff. Very, very good value for money. Um, they're shipping throughout the United States and Canada um, and at very, very good prices. Yeah, I can't wait to get it set up and grinding. Grinding. Boom, boom. grinding. Grinding. <laughs> <clears throat> so we've got a, new, a bit of a new section. So Jeff was talking about some of the mistakes that he's made. Um, which, you know, they can be funny mistakes, they can be dangerous mistakes, they can be whatever. And lots of you have sent through your mistakes. Um, so w- this is a new section we're going we're gonna to call I'll Never Do That Again, I Hope, or a.k.a. Shit. Which is pretty, <laughs> much, which is pretty much what you say when you make a mistake. Um, so the first one is from JS Metalwork. And he says, One time I was pouring all of my quench tank back into the bottle and something went wrong he had half a gallon of oil all over himself and the shop complete pain to clean up she been there yeah (laughs) i've done that (laughs) she oh baby yeah Ah, that oil thing is uh, you know i i have a little quenched i have two quench tanks one next to the next to each other and man when i'm done just quenching i got oil everywhere fucking hate it that's the one thing about the oil i hate is just how much oil i get all over the place but i can imagine pouring back that oil i tell you what i tried pouring back some of uh the coffee at the coffee treatment into a small into a smaller <laughs> jar man that shit went everywhere and that shit stained so bad my hands were black by the time i finished but i had bl- a black thick coffee everywhere and i that might be worse than the oil and eh, probably not at least it's just coffee it's not poisonous or anything yeah Talking about the oil, how often do you guys change your oil? I've heard stories about the oil getting better over time. 2,500 oil... miles. 2,500 miles. <laughs> boom, boom. Oh, he's an early changer. Terrible. <laughs> so far, it's been bad. I, so far, I've bad jokes. That's fine. What can you do? Maybe no, Josh you... Scott Maybe Josh Scott can tell some bad joke impressions. <laughs> you know, last you night, I, I, sent, I sent Jeff a message saying this. My wife was walking around the house, do an impression of Josh Scott, do an impression of Jeff. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to go you in. Should have recorded it. We're gonna have to go in depth on the on the, that whole thing. We've gotten some. There's a lot of uh, ground to cover on that whole there impressions is. of Jeff situation. There is. But we, we've got we've got Regarding more, we've got oil, more mistakes, haven't we? Yeah. I think the oil lasts for quite a long time, especially in a in a custom setting because you're not blasting through. Uh, quenching blades all the time it, mm. it lasts for a pretty good bit of time i would i would be su- surprised if it went bad before five or ten years really kev, right. really kev, okay. if kevin cashin does he does a he does a heat treating guru kevin cashin and he he's very concerned about how people uh what what they're doing with their oil and one of the things he says is that when you do that thing on forge and fire where you let the the fire you know, it ignites ignites when you pull it out. It's not the it's not the oil igniting. It's like the fumes of the oil igniting. Mm. That really fucks yeah, your paper. oil up. That's really not 
that's not good for the for the in the long term for your oil. Right. Right. I've heard that. It looks Kevin cool. Cash. Looks cool. <laughs> it looks cool. Looks cool. Fireball. Uh. <laughs> so you got this next one. Yeah, me? you got this one. Go ahead, Greg. All right. So this one's from at Taurus Knifework, as in like T A U R U S Taurus, like the the what is that the the astrological sign or the, <laughs> the, the worst the worst car of all time Ford Taurus. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, I, I had a Taurus for well, a little still bit. Still bad. Doesn't make it good. It got, make, just because you yeah, have it no. doesn't make it good. This is true. Brakes went out on it pretty quick. It was terrible. All right. I used a circular saw one time for G10. It bent the saw blade so bad and threw a chunk of G10 straight back into my eye. It was the last time I cut G10 on a miter saw. That stuff's stronger than steel. Be careful. And my most embarrassing is gluing up handles before heat treating the blade uh, was by far the best moment. Ha, 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 ha. She. I think we've all done that. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> cutting the G10 on a circular saw sucks. It, it definitely, actually, I had to. I get, I buy new blades a little bit too often when I'm uh, cutting down G10. But it shoots splinters, like tiny splinters, everywhere, and it's it's really fucking terrible. So, hmm. yeah, I it sucks. I generally use a bandsaw for that. Anyway, I think table yeah. saws scare the hell out of me. Well, it, you know, it, it, what I do is I bring my table saw outside and then I cover up like everywhere and mm. I try to just cut it down because I'm buying sheets. And if you want to get straight mm. cuts, the bandsaw doesn't work. And, and mm. a lot of the guys use uh, – and a lot of times – I mean, the bandsaw is nice and all, but it, uh, the G10 screws your, your, your belt, your, your blades up, and it's, you can't get super flat. I, I, I'm a circular saw. I do a circular saw. I get a pile of sheets and I trim them all in one day. And then I don't have to worry about it anymore. Interesting. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, G10. Uh, All right. Table saw. <clears throat> this comes from Ship Bard. I can't believe I didn't temper my competition cut cutter high enough, and it snapped in half on a two by four on a Wednesday night. The competition was on a Friday, and I had to make a whole new knife on Thursday. She. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> yeah. So. He uh, he didn't he didn't do it right. He broke it. He broke it before the competition. Well, probably better if he broke it before the competition and he'd be able to do oh, it again. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Have you, have you guys ever entered competitions? <clears throat> any sort of competition for your knives? Not for my knives. Uh, forged and fire. I mean, yeah. I yeah. yeah. What the fucking question is that? What do you? you what do you? Hey, don't know this two-time competition guy. I was gonna I was gonna recommend that show later. I, I come across it over Christmas. I thought you guys should watch that. This show, Forged in Fire. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, I was like, yeah, none of us have been on any kind of competitions. I was in a sailboat competition when I was in, in, uh, when I was in summer camp. Uh, Fucking won two years in a row, baby. Two years in a row. Don't get nice. me on a sailboat. I, I've, I've only entered knives into, like, being judged and being torn apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no no physical competitions where they're chopping through stuff. Oh, actually, I did. I, I, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I held a a chef's knife competition a few years back um, where I had a few knife makers submit knives and then the knives were put through a bunch of testing uh, by a couple judges and then uh, the knives were auctioned off uh, and the money went to nonprofit organizations. Nice. So, yeah, it was good. It was fun. Yeah. All fun and games. But talking about competitions and, you know, we just mentioned Forged in Fire, have you seen the spin-off, that Knife or Die? 
Death. Man. Knife or death. Knife or death. Yes. I like yes. knife or die. Knife. I think knife or die is a better name. Knife or death. Man, it's, or it's just like watching wrestling. It's brutal. Uh, well, you got Goldberg on there. It's. I mean, it's already partly a little bit like wrestling. Yeah. Which is, you know, if somebody watches that, cool. But uh, I think it is a little bit of... I don't know. I don't. I don't really dig it myself. Yeah. yeah. Shout but. out to FS Blades, our boy Frankie Sostos. He gets his <laughs> knives on there all the time. He's a New York guy. Shout out to yeah. Frankie. Well, my shopmate Peter Swarsbert was oh, actually yeah. on the damn thing. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Look at all this competition. There's a lot of competition. competition Let's get crazy. through it. Competition crazy. Who's next? The next one we've got. Um, I, I think it's Finite P H I Knight on Instagram. Um. One of his most hated mistakes to make goes like this. Oh, yeah, that's some good heat treat, that is. Good and hard and tempered for hours and hours. And where are the holes for the pins in the tang? Oh, for fuck's sake. I forgot to drill them first. She. <laughs> yeah, not drilling before um, hardening is not going to be good. Not going to be well, good. Well, but you could, just, you could just get the torch out and just, you know, keep, their, keep the blade cool and then hit, that, mm. hit it with the torch. You know, some you could. That's what I was gonna say. That's what a lot of these. Yeah, yeah, that's what these a lot of these guys do. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's armchair quarterback here. It's like, yeah, why don't you do that? You know, (laughs) so it's like, what can you do? What can you do? Yeah. But it sucks. All right, we we got another one from Brian Rakin. Rakin. I, you know, I never know how to say Brian's name, but if you guys go check him out, we're getting everybody's name wrong. We're getting everybody's name wrong. R a q u i n. Brian Rakin. Or Rakin is uh, he's a French uh, maker, I believe. Chef's knife maker. He does some really good work. All right. He says, I already made a sand mai with steel core outside the billet. Oof. Not iron, steel, iron, but iron, iron, steel. Oh, I love <laughs> that one. That one's a bad one. That one's a bad one. Because you can't really Yeah, that's brutal. You know, the 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 whole even if even with the with the pins with the hardened steel, you could always, you know, you could bring it back, but that 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 Sam Mai bringing it back. That would be bringing that one back. Well, you just got to make a like a Japanese style single bevel, or where you only have the hardened steel on the bottoms. Or you just, or if you just cut it in half, couldn't you cut it in half and forge weld the steel sides together, or forge weld the the other oh, sides right. together? Cut it in half, forge the other split sides it. together, and then uh, you're talking about like a splitting and folding it so that the into right. two pieces right. and then the. Yeah, the steel's and then you in the core. The, yep, right. that's then you a good a, move. You have a double. You have a. You get the double jacket. You got that double jacket yeah. right there. All right. Well, we're saving. We're armchair. We're armchair quarterbacking these motherfuckers. I'm sure that I'm sure poor Radio Rakim is saying, oh, yeah. All of a sudden, it's so great. Where were you when I needed you? All right. Here comes. Yeah. 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 Thanks for the invite. Radio Rakim. <laughs> all right. Uh, shout out to Spike Lee. All right. So Fenton Knives says, on my first attempt at making a knife, I didn't have any power tools yet. So I spent three days hand filing the shape of the knife out of a piece of 1095 bar stock. And after all that, I accidentally started filing the bevel towards the spine and uh, towards, the, towards the spine side. And I, and, I want, and I wanted the edge to be that where I wanted the edge to be. And I had to scrap it. So he basically filed. Oh. It's a backwards ass knife right there. That's a backwards ass knife. Mm. I've done I've done similar things where um, quite often I'll have a handle which sort of bends down a bit. So when I'm drilling the uh, the scales, um, I'll drill them both the same. So when you go to put it together, it's like ah oh, fuck. 
Yeah. The, you know, the oh, scales yeah. pointed yeah, yeah, at the wrong yeah, yeah, way. Yeah. Scales for, yeah, on the wrong side. Done that one. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah. Oh, what's this? Meliza. Aaron? It's Meliza. He contacted. Yeah, another guy who. He's a great guy. It's Meliza. It's Meliza. Okay. Right, that's, Aaron why Meliza. It, that's why I spelled it like that. Yeah, these <coughs> are Jeff, Jeff's show notes we're going through here. Phonetic. Um, one day I was out back welding some scrap steel together and I had to cut a piece of three quarter inch round bar. Um, so I dug out the cutting torch, kind of dialed the flame in for cutting, and basically melted the last four inches off this bar. So he means that the bar was glowing five inches in either direction of what he was actually cutting. Oh, oh. So oh, the red hot yeah. end of his bar finally finally comes off and falls to the ground, shuts the torch off, shuts off the tanks, takes his gloves off, you know what's coming. He bleeds the gas out of the lines, sets the torch down, then he picks up the still glowing red bar with his bare hands. Oh. Jesus Christ. So he's holding the bar and he distinctly remembers wondering what that strange sensation, probably the smell as well, yeah. as the skin on his palm burnt. It's a very, it's a very porky, it's a smell of pork. Yeah. Disgusting. Disgusting. And then his boss said, how come we don't have any more acetylene? Because he obviously didn't turn the oxygen <laughs> on right now. Like, what happened to all the acetylene? Aaron, why does your hand smell like bacon and where's all the acetylene? <laughs> That's gnarly. Uh, I'm not going to do this one in <laughs> the terrible British accent that Aww. I tried the other day, but this is from our, our friend Swift Knives UK. On my first batch of blades, I spent two hours trying to hand sand out a weird thin scratch. Then I realized it was a crack in the blade. Oh, f- fucking hell, me, Bobby. Fucking hell. That sucks, man. It happens. You get, if you get lucky, you see it before that happens. And then yeah. it's always, it's a, you know, the good thing is about the hand sanding is if you're scratching going to the tip to the heel, if there's a crack, the crack's going to be going from the spine to the edge. So if you get lucky, you catch it before you yep. spend too much time on it. Hmm. Exactly. That is, that is definitely a benefit versus uh, having all vertical gl- lines. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that you can't, you can catch those. Because it's, you know, you, it's um, just a, you, know you, you don't see them until you go, you go, you know, really deep. And if you don't get that, you know. Blah, blah, blah. All right, so here's from Caffeine Forge. <laughs> I was using a 1x30 sander with a leather belt to strop a knife. I wasn't thinking about the knife to the belt with the edge up. The knife was thrown straight to the ground. And the belt was ruined. Oof. Oof. I fucking did that with a, uh, a oyster knife. I was clean. I was like, I was, I love the Scotch-Brite belts. They're so expensive, but they like, they're great, especially for my oyster knives. They're just, they just kind of clean everything up. Hmm. And I don't know what I was getting. I wasn't thinking. I don't know what I was thinking about. And then I pointed the oyster knife straight up. And my oyster knives have a little bit of a curl on the, the tip. Because that's for when you're shucking the oyster and you're, you know, you're butt shucking. But when you're butt shucking your oyster, you go over the top of the shell. And it, if it's curved, it allows you to kind of separate the abductor muscle a little easier. Well, I went up. And then that curve caught the, the Scotch Bright belt and fucking shot that thing into the ground and put a huge hole. It's not like, you know, most of these belts, when they tear, they just they pop. And if you're lucky, they pop and then just fall off because once they're broken, they're not sent anywhere. But the Scotch Bright belt holds what it's holds what it's got and it's got this big ass hole in it and it's it's terrifying. Totally terrifying. Slapping around. Yeah. Slapping around. Hmm, not good. Not good. And especially, yeah, I've done that with a buffer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Worst. I've actually, when I was in a metal shop, uh, we were making bronze uh, 
uh, escutcheon plates, and I was we were mere finishing on a buffer, and and I it was a, it was like a, a angle bar square frame, and I fucking caught that I caught that buffer with this with this bronze uh, piece. It took that thing and shot it across the room. It was terrifying. And because it's bronze, it looked like it would have been, like, smushed. It, I fucking destroyed it. But it was the most terrifying thing of all time. Buffers. Terrifying. Buffers. Buffers. I mean, what I tend to do now is, I think we talked about this before, is, you know, clamp it to a two-by-four or something if I'm using a buffer. Yeah. Um, but I did something very similar just this week, but on the drill. Um, so I was drilling through really thin stock of brass, which I was going to use for liners. And brass, as you know, it can be because it's soft. You know, it's probably great for machinists because they can, you know, it's malleable and whatever. But if you're using very small, you know, sheets of it to drill, it leaves these horrible burrs and it's really grabby and so on. Yeah, I did. I yeah. didn't clamp it down to the drill press, and it just helicoptered up. And I did that stupid oh, thing, geez. you know, in in the in the you know the heat of it all. I put my hand up to stop it, and it's just going <laughs> straight across my palm. But um, I do yeah, that all the time. Got to be yeah. careful. Gotta Did it careful. cut you? Yes, quite badly. But um, it's okay. I mean, uh. it's okay. But it's just you know, it's a stupid thing to do. You know, the instinct is just to put your hand out to stop it, which is crazy. crazy. That's the ki- that's the king of the. I'll never do that again. I hope. Yeah, that's the yeah. king. Of, that's the Jesus. king. That, that I do. That, I still do that. You know, and it's always and somebody I even put that in here. But uh, that's always uh, it's always because you know if it's an eighth of an inch. Well, I mean bronze is different, brass is different. But if it's eighth of an inch, three sixteenths up to a quarter, it doesn't usually catch. It always catches at the very end, right before it breaks through. Hmm. It's like it's you've hardened the material. Yeah. The material gets harder, and then by the time you get to that little edge, it just catches, and there's nothing behind it. Or the drill bit will kind of press through, and then when it presses through without cutting, it catches there, and that's what sends you in a. Helicopter mode. I hate that. Not good. Not good. Fuck that shit. Well, we've got, we've got, we've got bunch. And I'll more. do it tomorrow. And I'll do it tomorrow. Guaranteed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'll do it tomorrow. Okay, so we've we've got a few more, but what we'll do, we'll save these up for the for the coming weeks because this could oh, just good. be a show talking about mistakes and you know, yeah, it's a new year. Let's list. go into this positive with a bit of positivity. That's it. Boom. We'll but the last it. one of today then is from Jeremy Spake. Yeah, big fan the of the show. Of the best one today. So, yeah, buddy. So maybe two, three years ago, uh, and this is this is Jeremy's voice. I'm not going to do the voice, but I, you know, I'm reading it from his perspective. So a member of the Legion of Doom, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe two, three years ago, I was sick and tired of not having a knife of my own to carry. It was getting ridiculous. So I had some quasi downtime. That's a, that's a very uh, quasi downtime. Not quite sure what that means. A little bit of downtime. It was kind of downtime. A little bit of downtime. Quasi. Okay. Quasi. Fucking quasi. I think a quasi moto when I think of Well, then you're wrong. It's fine. Just keep (laughs) going. Just go ahead. (laughs) Shit. So I decided this would be the time to do it. He's going to make his own knife. A few months back. So he'd been through a series of Sanmai testing with 52100 and 416 stainless and came across beautifully laminated little three and a half inch blade. That is almost completely finished. So he already had the design in his sketchbook and he was able to put the knife together over a weekend. Very, very proud of his new knife. It looked lovely and felt just right. So on a Sunday Sunday night, he commenced to the sharpening. Just a really quick job. It was late and I wanted to show off the next day at work. So during his show and tell uh, with friends, it didn't really cut paper as nicely as he did expected. This is going on. This is a long story. But hey, he was in a hurry when he sharpened it. Um, 
and you, yeah, shit. Where am I? This is too long. <laughs> this is too long. I'm, I'm, no, I'm stuck just in a, get, in come a big on, man. Text. Come on, man. So he was in a hurry when he sharpened it, um, and he came home determined to get it laser sharp ready for the next day. But it just wasn't getting the edge that he wanted. But hey, he thought he's sort of been in a lull when making sharpening, so I guess he was just he was just rusty. So he carried on for a little bit more, but became increasingly dissatisfied with with his edge. So one night after after the vigorous session at the Whetstones, oh, oh baby, with no satisfaction. <laughs> oh no, it sank vigorous in. Session, baby. He, he hadn't hardened the blade. You'd set oh, it aside, no! set it aside halfway uh, ground, <laughs> oh, and assumed man. that he'd remember when he came to came to do it. But um, oh, he just boy. hadn't hardened. And I've done that. I've got bunches of knives, you know, blanks that I sort of roughed out, and I don't know what state they're in. But um, yeah, so he ends this with he still doesn't have a knife of his own. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah well, there you go. Shout <laughs> out to that's probably- Doom. Hmm. That's probably one of my bigger mistakes that I've made in the past year is uh, I finished ground a couple knives and I was like, God, these knives are super flexible. I don't understand what's going on. And I was like, wait a second. And I just grabbed it along the spine and just bent it, flexed it, and it kept the bend. Uh... And I was like, Jesus, I didn't harden these yet. And at this point, I already have like, they're both Damascus. They're both mosaic Damascus. So I have uh, probably three or four days of work in each, just making the Damascus, mm. then forging out the blade. I probably have like five days of work at least in each of these knives. And I tried to reheat treat. They still had a little bit of mass on them. So I was like, all right, I'll try heat treating them. Both of them came out fucking garbage. And I was just like, I was so pissed because I can't use them now. The the edges, I had already taken them too thin. So they were like waving and waffling down the edge. And uh, it was heartbreaking. So I know how that feels. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I like the uh, 25th hour uh, audio sample, by the way. It was very last minute. And I wonder if any of our listeners can guess where I got the audio sample from. DM us. DM us. DM you. <laughs> DM. So we're going to leave our mistakes there and everybody's uh, mistakes there for next week. We'll, we'll do some more next week because we've got this big ton of them. And I think there's some good tips in there as well. You know, things not to do, you know, things you can learn from. So we'll, we'll leave them. Craig's Community Showcase. Community Showcase. So we're changing the show up a bit. So this was originally Craig's Community Showcase, but now... For each section, all three of us are going to have an input. So my community showcase this week is, it was actually, um, this was recommended from by Bob Rankin. Um, and I'd seen this guy's work before anyway, uh, but Bob sent me a message and said, this guy's work is incredible. And he makes handle material, he makes scales, and it's Rob's Wildwood. So he does these, well, the best I've seen, the best I've seen. I think I've said that before, but another maker. But looking back now at Rob's work, it's incredible. So this amazing burls and stuff that all stabilized. Um, and he makes everything perfect ready for you. Everything is perfectly flat. There's no none of this stabilizing resin sticking out. It's Everything's perfect, ready to be drilled, ready to be used. So take a look at Rob's Wildwood. Um, he does it with his son. It's a father and son business. Ah, uh, yes. Robswildwood.com. Um, and just some of the most outstanding colors and finishes that I've ever seen. 
I spent some money on. I spent some money on his. I went. I met him and his son at Blade Show, and I spent some money on. It. He's got. The, he had some of the most beautiful scales. I wood scales I'd seen. We spent some money with him. It was worth mm-hmm. every penny too. Yeah, I, I gotta add too. He does something very interesting with some of the handle materials that he makes. He actually makes them by creating these, doing these uh, wood laminating techniques where he's like. Yes, splitting them apart and putting them back together like this mosaic woodwork is pretty freaking crazy. Uh, I love it, and I'm I've been very very interested to get a hold of some of that or possibly try to design design some Aww. for him to then turn around and uh, make. Uh, but yeah, it's super super cool stuff. Morocco's yeah, so pattern wood Wednesdays. Sure. His uh, there you go. Their <laughs> their scales, their 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 scales were just. I mean, like they're kind of a step above the ones I saw. We were looking around. I was like, they were. I mean, pretty amazing. It was hard not to spend a lot of money with them. Morocco, I've just had an idea. So you, you you do your your pattern well Wednesdays, where you take your shapes yeah. and you draw them out and you show people how you've done it. You imagine having a matching handle of the same. The same sort hey, of as the is this giving away my is this, the new, is this the new bit you know what you should do? <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know you know what you, you, should, know what you do. should do? <laughs> hey, Mareka, you know what you should do? You should go on that show where they the, the competition knife chopping show. That's what you should do. <laughs> but how cool would that be? Having your sort of Damascus pattern replicated in wood. Wood ask us. Let's well, call it wood ask us. Oh, Trademark. Is, well, thanks for letting the cat out, out of the bag. Yeah. I uh, I have been thinking about that, and uh, yeah, that's what, uh, that's kind of what I was talking about. Mm. <laughs> Sending him some designs to essentially replicate what's happening in the steel yeah. into the into the handle. That could be yeah. cool. Would ask us coming your way soon. Would ask us. That's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. terrible. Jeff, have, yeah. who were you highlighting this week? I'd like to go with someone that most of our our listeners know, but uh, I'm a very big fan. Most of you are too. Is the New Jersey Steel Baron. That's NJ underscore Steel Baron uh, on Instagram. They most of you know them. They're one of the best knife supplier, uh, knife steel suppliers in the United States. It's Aldo Bruno and his son Peter. I love those guys. Uh, one thing I will say: a lot of people ask us where you get your steel, and you know, people say, "Well, would you ever use a circular saw blade?" When you're getting uh, steel from uh, the New Jersey Steel Baron. They're, not only do they get very specific steel, it's always in good shape, but they if you buy their steel on their website and you have a problem with heat treating, they have all the information on how you should heat treat it. They also sell that jacketed um, core steel. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. They give you all whatever you need. Pete is also <laughs> very easy to get a hold of. Uh, actually, at one time, I was heat treating some Nitro V or some AEBL, and I was having a little hard time. And then I got, and then they put Aldo on the phone, and he gave me, he gave me the whole, you know, he got on the phone and told me exactly what to do. They're an awesome company, and also Pete started to do. He does laser, water jet cutting, so if you wanted to get stuff water jet cut, you can send him. He just water jet cut some oyster knives for me. Um, they do a nice job. The prices are good. They do a lot. It's a it's a small family joint. Everybody should know the New Jersey Steel Baron. The Brunos are great. Out pizza, dynamite guy. You can get on the phone with them easy. Um, and they're very like they're very in the community. They're very great. They don't do as much on uh, social media as as they should. And it's a good company to support. I I, I like the Steel Baron. Everyone know everyone knows the Steel Baron. 
You know what? It's interesting what you were saying then about a family business. So just thinking about the the sort of businesses that I wouldn't say recommend, but, you know, the, the businesses that we use. We've got Even Heat, family business. Yeah. Just mentioned Rob's Wildwood, family business. NJ Steel Baron, family business. AM Concepts, who we we got on board as our new sponsor, family business. It's, it's all good. Right. It's all good. Well, it's, you know, there's something to be said about that. You know, you're, you're standing behind it and your family's involved and you believe yeah. in it. There's a sincerity there. Um, there are good people, you know. Good people. Good people. Absolutely. Mareko, who are you highlighting this week? Okay. I want to highlight somebody that I don't understand, actually, how I only just discovered them. I feel like maybe I've seen some of the work before. But anyways, he's uh, his name is Worker Man, oh. and it's all uh, – it's abbreviated, so it's W-K-R-M-N, and he's actually from uh, Minnesota, so there's a little play on uh, acronym there. He's been on the but show Worker before. Man. Has he? He's been on the show. I interviewed him in the, you know, the old oh, format I of the show. Oh, I feel like an... I'm such an asshole. So we just found anyway. out that Morocco didn't listen to the older episodes. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, hey, you know what you should do? Hey, Rick, you know what you should do? You should look at the archives, homie. <laughs> yeah, I should. So I'm not such an idiot. Oh, so anyways, no. so go listen to his earlier <laughs> interview. There you Craig. go. Plug for the archives. Get it. <laughs> there you go. Plug for the – but really, his work is phenomenal. I love it. It's, he does a lot of uh, friction folders, mm. uh, which means there's no locks. They have like a little tab that, uh, that flips up off the tang that you kind of – uh, pushes the blade around and he does these awesome inlays and he just he does really clean work and i i am just absolutely enamored with it i i constantly find myself rolling back through his feed looking at some of his stuff because it's so cool what's it's his so cool. what's his instagram what's his instagram it's w k r m n and it's a it's an it's like an abbreviation or slash oh. Acronym. He's got eighteen thousand. He's got eighteen thousand. He's got eighteen thousand five hundred five hundred followers. That boy didn't need our help. Yeah. That boy didn't need our help. <laughs> oh, I di- I didn't think we're. Oh, I mean, we're here to help people, but we're all. Oh, uh, yeah. We're also yeah, here we're, to recognize some we're, folks. Doing do whatever stuff. you want. Whoever, you know what you should do. Obviously, keep Craig already going. did that part of the job. You should keep on going. <laughs> I, this is this is a bad motherfucker right here. I I admit too. I didn't listen to his. I'm gonna go listen to that. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, no, no, I, I, I cop too. I, I, I gave right. you Fritz, but no, I didn't me. listen either. I'm gonna listen now. <laughs> but no, right. seriously, nice yeah, Morocco's completely right. His stuff is incredible. Um, I think he sells um, scales that he makes as well. Um, he does these. He does. he does these. I think they're called blood money. So he takes um, notes, you know, dollar notes, rips them up or shreds them, and he casts them in resin, and he puts this like blood substitute in there. It, it it looks really cool, really cool. Well, I'm sure he's not shredding them because technically that's illegal. Technically, oh, pre- yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The inspectors, the inspectors just arrived. Watch out, everybody! It's monopoly money. Monopoly money, maybe. Jeez, right? Jeez, what a stickler. Anyways, anyways, work a man. You're badass. I'm gonna go listen to your show right now because I'm an idiot and I should have I should have heard it already. I'm sorry. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> All right. As you know, we get questions from – we ask our listeners some questions. So we're, we got a few good questions here, um, and uh, let's get to it. So the first, hey, man, can I ask you a question comes from at ch.futchgul. 
Rolls Sh- off the tongue again. <laughs> what the fuck? These names are the worst. Shafutschko. <laughs> Shafutschko. I don't know what the fuck. Shafutschko. He wants to it know. Looks like it's German. Uh, or something. Futschko. I don't know what the hell that means. All right. I do stock removal knives with circular saw. Uh, I do stock removal knives with circular saw blade steel. Is that a good type of steel? And how do I heat treat it? Fits right in with the New Jersey Steel Baron. What yes. I, I, I got to say, unless you test it, I advise using known materials yeah. because realistically, they're not really that expensive. They're not that, they're easier to work with and they have a known heat treating schedule. And the yeah. price is, the price is about the, I mean, you're going to get, I mean, whatever, whatever a circular saw blade is, what, 10 bucks? You're going to get the 15, same amount yeah. for... Depen- I mean, depending what you're getting, yeah, it could yeah, be up to 30 bucks. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get a, you can get a slight, you can get a piece of, of uh, 1084 for like under 20 bucks, you know, four feet of it, for sure. Right. Hmm. Yeah. But I, I will say this is, this is kind of – I want to give a little shout-out to my buddy uh, Chris Zepp of Make Everything Shop. He listens to the podcast. If you're going to li- – he just did a YouTube video on how to make a knife with only $100 and uh, Harbor Freight he – bought, he bought $100 with a Harbor Freight stuff and made a knife out of it. And he used a circular saw blade. It isn't, isn't, isn't optimal, but he shows you how to just – you know, make it happen. Chris Zepsa, he he just did that with the circular saw blade seal. I look, all these guys they watch these movies like uh, that uh, Tommy Lee Jones movie with uh, Benicio del Toro. You know that sh- that movie, The Hunted. You ever you guys see that the movie? Hunted, yeah, no. the, it's about yeah, yeah. it's about this it's about these two guys. They're like super <laughs> special ops, but they're like primitive. They're like into primitiveness and. You know, they're one guy likes to hunt. You know, they're both like, you know, the assassins. And then they have this big final, you know, battle. These two, you know, old Tommy Lee Jones and dumb Benicio Del Toro. And they're making their knives. And you see Benicio Del Toro found a leaf spring and he's forging it on a, on a, on a, you know, I beam. And Tommy Lee Jones is like chipping away this piece of stone. And it's just all very much along the lines of like, look. Go fucking stop it with the finding the leaf springs. Go get yourself some nice steel from the New Jersey Steel Baron, and 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 just use your head. Hmm. And stop I don't know, I don't know where Chafutskill is from, but um, wherever you are, you you can get steel. So yeah, you know if 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 you can't get it from any of the so we we've got a list actually on knifetalk.net of reputable suppliers. And these guys um, but, will tell you how to heat treat it. These guys yeah, will tell you exactly. what to do. You know, exactly. they'll all do mail order. Yeah. They'll all send out in the mm-hmm. posts. Um, but if you've got nothing in your country, I mean, even on looking on eBay, knife suppliers are using eBay now to list their stuff as well. So right. it's so cheap. I, uh, yeah, you might as well just buy a nice surface ground billet, which is ready to go. And how many knives can you get a circular saw blade anyway? Hmm. You're gonna make two little <laughs> two little guys and one have a hole in the middle. What are you gonna do hmm. with that? It's bullshit. Well, Knock I mean. I, we do, you know, our our man Jared Thatcher does work with repurposed materials. I myself have made some knives from repurposed materials, but the thing is, we know what we are working. But you're with. also forging them, so you're getting a little bit more well, out of it than you would if you're stock removal. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 versus stock removal. But the, I, I guess the key I'm getting at is if you're going to use repurposed material, send out samples and have them tested, so you know what you're working with, because. You could be just working with some piece of shit steel that had carbide teeth brazed onto it. Mm. Uh oh. You know, it's not, 
The file. I'm just saying that some saw blades are made that way. The file. It's the just, file knife community is all passed out. They all passed out. <laughs> file knife community's no. passed out. All of them passed out. Have you seen the vi- we got um, tagged that Knife Talk podcast got tagged by somebody's video this week. Um, they made a file knife and he wanted to test it, so he put in a vice and he's trying to bend it to snap it. Have and you seen the video? The, and he pulled the vice out uh-huh. of the, he pulled the vice out of the, the table, right? More than once. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's what happens. Yeah. When you, that's what happens when you <laughs> screw your vice down. I mean, sorry, yeah. spoiler alert. You know, it's like, come on, man, gotta go pull long bolts, baby. Bolt it down. Hey man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> We've got so, a great question here, actually. Cunningham Knives has asked about kitchen knives. Are there any other acceptable knife finishes besides hand finishing? What do you guys think? The, you know what? That's a that's a that I think that that is a very uh, guarded. The real question is: is I fucking hate hand sanding. Yeah. Because that's that is a totally <laughs> like. Are there any other acceptable finishes? Like I fucking hate this shit. What else can I do? <laughs> Look, do whatever you got to do. You know, there's right. a lot of guys who do a nice job with a belt finish. I mean, off the belt. This, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's also kind of the commercially man- the standard finish for a commercial commercially manufactured knives yeah. is either vertical, uh, like a satin finish, yeah. or or a mirror polish, basically. But I think that the real thing about hand sanding is is it indicates that it's like. It's one of the key indicators that it's a handmade knife. Exactly. It's that somebody took the time to hand sand the blade. Yeah. And I, so it's a great way to differentiate your work from something that can be bought at the five and dime. Yeah. And <laughs> like, I think it's about help. it's about your time as well. I mean, everybody's got price point. They're trying to sell their knives at a certain price point. If you go in the lower end of the scale and you're putting six hours of hand sanding in, you're not making any profit. You know, you're, you're going to go out of business. So it's a case of, how much you're selling your knife for, whether you can put those put those hours in. But, I mean, J- Jeff's talked about in detail in the past how he, he's cut down on his time hand sanding by doing a lot of prep work beforehand. If you're spending yep. more than a four – if you're spending more than two hours on a satin finish on a chef's knife, hmm. you got to reevaluate. Yeah. It shouldn't be – it shouldn't be that long. It shouldn't be – I mean, an hour and a half maximum. For a simple, I'm not talking satin finish to t- fucking 2,500 grit. I'm talking about a simple satin finish to 800 grit. But I mean, you know, at the same time, it's like I'm, I'm, you know, it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I can do a knife, and we can do about an. Uh, well, a stainless steel knife is going to take you twice as long as a carbon steel knife, and we got. I, I just hand sanded a, a, a carbon steel knife in, in under an hour. Hmm. But you know, it's look, you you know. There's a lot of levels to this game, as they say. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, e- even Bob Kramer, he machine finishes. At least when I was still working for him, he was machine finishing his blades, so they had vertical scratches. But he was taking it up to about 1,200 grit machine finish, uh, and you have to be pretty mindful of what you're doing to be able to take it that high uh, and not accidentally leave behind, you know, some 60 or 120 grit scratches. If you want to see great finishing um, from from straight from the machine, go and look at Fingal Ferguson stuff. Yeah. 
because he doesn't do any mm. handstanding and he has the most right. amazing finishes and he let me into a bit of a secret about some of the wheels that he's using so he's using scotch bright wheels on a bench grinder as opposed to belts no, you just gave us you just gave a secret yeah. well it's, it's an open secret it's an open secret but um <laughs> but you know whatever works for you but hey, you I mean, know what you should do you should keep your mouth shut <laughs> don't tell everybody his secrets he was he he was he happily shared that with me and said that you know I could share it on, um, but I'm certainly well, not getting credit. Th- it's it's Fingal Ferguson's way of doing it, and it's it's beautiful. Go and have a look at his stuff. It's but great. the key the key is, the key really is is it's the plunge line. If you have a plunge line, it's almost yeah. impossible to do. Yet you know yet you can do a, a a belt finish going vertically if you don't have a plunge line. You know, because sure. if you're if you're on the platen or you're using contact wheel with it and you're changing the directions with that, as long as you're being careful, you know, you you can. Uh, but if you got a plunge line, you're out. Yeah, got to high sand it unless you're going a vertical, unless you're going the horizontal route. Hey man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> All right, Michael Crispin is asking, what's the knife? Uh, community's opinion on homemade crucible slash Woots steel. Perfect person to read the Gentlemen. question. Yeah, this is all yours, Morocco. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. Okay. Oh, you guys don't have any opinions. Well, why don't you tell us what the fuck Woots is? You guys like <laughs> what is what's what's what the, you know makes it Woots? W- Woots is is a crucible steel, so it means it's it's melted down into a cake inside of a crucible, uh, which a lot of people use crucibles to melt down other kinds of metals as well to kind of consolidate it um and you know my shopmate peter swarsbert would actually be a better maybe i'll get him up on the knife talk lot uh podcast or instagram we'll do a little chitty chat over there well is woots a dude Um, though it's like where did that fucking word come from it's got to be like a dude i yeah jimmy woots not a dude jimmy woots no no it's just it's I don't know what language it comes from, but it just refers to uh, steel that's made through a certain way. Uh, but it, similar steels were made in, in Russia uh, as well, in India and Persia, and they're all ingot or crucible steels. Um, and I think, yeah, so my my biggest issue with crucible steels is people making it but not really knowing how, like making the cake is actually kind of the easy part. Re- reducing that cake down or the ingot down into something that can actually be turned into a, a functional knife um, is a totally different story. And there aren't really a whole lot of people in the country who can really do that. Um, I fortunately share a shop with possibly one of the best guys in the country. Uh, obviously, there's Rick Fur, uh, Fur? Rick Fur. Uh, in Wisconsin, and or maybe it's Fear. I can never remember how to say his name wrong. Uh, say his name right. Uh, so sorry, Rick, if I'm butchering your name. Uh, but anyways, um, and maybe <laughs> maybe a couple other he people. Hey, he's pretty. He's a pretty well informed guy. But anyways, yeah. um, but Peter, my shopmate, is possibly one of the only makers in the country in the country. Uh, as well as possibly around the world, who actually makes his Woots steel and can reduce it down in a way that he can actually send it to somebody and they can use it the same way they're using some of the steel that they may be sourcing from, like New Jersey Steelburn. So um, so the trick is understanding how to forge it, though, and, it, and that just comes from the maker. Like 
uh, who are, or whoever your source is. So Peter actually sends out, he's got a whole worksheet about how to heat treat it, how to bring out the patterning, how to forge. Because uh, realistically, like they, because of its extreme high carbon content, you want to forge in a very uh, kind of a specific forging range. Because if you let it get too hot, it does this thing called hot shorting. And there are a lot of steels that are commercially manufactured that will also hot short, which means it gets it gets hot, and then uh, if you start working it at too high of a temperature, it'll start crumbling. Um, Only because like and typically, it's, yeah. It'll start huh. crumbling and turning to like this mushy, like melted, gritty, sandy kind of texture, and basically go to shit. Um, so you, I mean, you got to be careful using it, but it it produces an incredible. If it's done right, it, it pr- produces an incredible blade. Uh, it, the the ingots that I've worked with from Peter um, and forged out into chef's knives, they take some of the best edges I've like the most aggressive toothy edges. And part of that is because of the carbides that are formed in the material, um, as well as it being actual hardenable steel versus, uh, you know, ancient stuff. They weren't hardening it. So they were actually relying on those carbides in the steel to help lend some of that edge retention, wear resistance and kind of toothy sharpness. Um, but anyways, I don't know if I even really answered his question. I yeah, got to tell did. him though. Yeah, you did. If you if you got a good source, it's fucking good stuff. If you don't though, you better uh ask somebody. I hope you didn't pay too much for it. You better ask somebody. Hey man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> okay, this one comes from Lake 1978. Do you need to have a TIG welder to weld together math, uh, mosaic billets? Uh or will a MIG welder work? I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I, 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 this is all you do, but I'm assuming that a 70 amp, you know, really cheap MIG welder is not going to do the job. But I don't I, know. But you don't need to. You're not. You're not. You're not. You don't have to lay down dimes. You just have to hold it together tight enough so when you're when you hit it under the under the hammer, it holds together. It doesn't really matter, right? Well, you can. You can do it under the press too. Uh, there are, are makers. I won't talk about their technique of doing it, but they use a MIG welder, and they're setting up and creating some of the sweetest mosaic Damascus uh, that's being made in the United States. And they're doing it in a very minim- minimalist way. And so, no, you don't need a TIG welder. Um, I've done it actually myself with a MIG welder. I, you know, I did plenty of mosaic before I joined Dragon's Breath Forge. And I didn't have a TIG welder. I had a shitty Harbor Freight uh, MIG welder that was handed down to me from from a friend. So, uh, yeah, you don't need a well, TIG the, welder. But the key really is, is the issue is, is you just need to make sure you have enough room that whatever the wire, you know, the difference between a MIG and a TIG is the MIG is a wire feed welder. You don't want to you don't want to add too much of that alloy to where your pattern is going to be. But as opposed oh, to no, a TIG, where you have yeah. you you it, traditionally you're welding with a with a filler rod, but in in actuality you don't need a filler rod. You do you can fuse the steel together and you kind of weld. You're not really welding; you're fusing it, and right. you're not you're not adding a different material. So obviously, a TIG welder is going to give you a little bit more uh, a cleaner steel, so to speak, because you're not going to you're not incorporating a third you know another element. But if you have a MIG, right. as long as you're not like doing it in the middle and you're not going to you don't want to just incorporate that you want to incorporate the weld 
the, the different alloy into whatever your Damascus is. Yeah, and, and and I've seen people, and I've actually done this before, where you wrap the whole all the welds in MIG, uh, and it's doable and actually works. The, the trick, though, is there's an intermediate step where you have to, after you've set the weld and you feel good about it, you have to let that billet cool down, and then you got to clean up the faces, at least the faces, uh, if not the whole thing, just to so you can do a quick etch, and in that etch... It will show you where the pattern is and where that, and then where it's washed out from the MIG, and then you got to chase the the MIG with a with an angle grinder and like a quarter inch little uh, four inch disc and grind that stuff out, and then once you've got it all out, then continue forging. Um, but that's that's all. That's there are other ways of approaching it. Uh, that that is a kind of a pain in the ass way of doing it, but. But it, it works. But it works because you're 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 not going all the way, and then all of a sudden you got like a, a fucking bit of, you know, MIG wire oh, in the yeah. middle of your thing. That's the worst thing that could happen, and I've definitely had that happen to blades, uh, just because it's something that didn't get caught as I was forging or you know cleaning it up and forging out a blade, and so that got scratched. I actually saw a guy who was over. trying to be very clever and use the end of his billet. And then he said, "Well, I'm just going to put the I'm going to put the welded end where I welded on the the stick to hold the uh, where the tongs grip on, and I'm just going to stick that part in the in the tang. I'll be the hidden part in tang part. So I'll get crafty. Sure. And then all of a sudden, he didn't go far enough, and you know, out of the Oops. out of the connection, you could see all the the MIG weld. Uh, well, that's, that's once good. bitten, twice shy, as they say. Ha ha ha." Well, now it's all of our notes to a knife maker because I think we all got a little something to share today. Uh, but my my little note today is on painter's tape. So I talked about, or I mentioned painter's tape, uh, I think that was a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, talking with Jeff about masking the blade off um, while sharpening. And especially on a Damascus, that will help. It, I know it helps me. Feel just a little bit more confident that I'm not going to mess up the face of the of the steel. Uh, but it, the other thing that's really cool about painter's tape is uh, I've I've had really good uh, success buffing stuff with the painter's tape attached and the painter's tape uh, not smearing or or getting all over the place. Uh, I've had issues with using electrical tape as a kind of a mask. If say like I've I finished out my handle on my integral chef's knife and I mask off the bolster because that's steel I want to buff up the handle but I don't want to buff the steel. Um, I've used electrical tape and the buffer just heats up and melts that electrical tape and makes a big old nasty mess and I get pissed. I I can't I cannot remember and I wish I could remember who I saw the first time using painters tape in this way, but they essentially instead of using the electrical tape they used painters tape. And um, they masked off an area, and then they buffed right up to the edge of that painter's tape. Painter's tape didn't do anything. And then when they were done, just peeled right off uh, as it should. And it was it was a revelation for me. And so now I don't – I mean, I could, I could make it work not using a painter's tape, but painter's tape makes a huge difference in my 
knife making. Uh, it's it's definitely one of those things that is kind of a game changer for me. And uh, that's just my little my little note and tip for today. Oh. Nice, nice. Tippy cool. So my little tip is it's actually two things, but it's all based around time. So we're in quite a privileged position as of hosts of this show where we 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 get lots of advice given to us as well. You know, we ask people to ask us questions, but people answer them and all sorts. But the question that I'm asked a lot about is from new knife makers asking how to sort of level up. You know, they've made a few knives and they, they you know, they they want to be better, but you know, what they're looking for tips to how to be better. But I'd say it's time. Take your time. And I'm as guilty as anybody in this is where you may have a few orders on the go and you want to get this knife out. Stop. Stop thinking about other orders. Just concentrate on the on this one knife. And my sort of mantra is I'm trying to make the best knife that I can, not the fastest or not the cheapest. So just right. take your time. Give this one all of your attention. And when it's done, it's done. You know, it's 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 a case of, you know, it's... I hate telling a customer it'll be done by X date because that doesn't allow me to give my best work. The best way to give your best work is to give it your your full time and your, your full attention. So just slow down, take your time, and things just will get better. Every knife you make will get better. And when it comes to time, value it as well. So, I mean, if we're looking at things like tool costs and things like that, um, I, at the moment I'm in, I'm in the market for a mill. Um, simply because I need to to a mill, s- a mill, a mill. Oh, a mill, a, a, des- mil. a desktop mill. Oh, a mill. Um, so the amount of time that I'm use that I'm taking to make these little grooves in these knives that I'm doing at the moment um, by using a grinder, it's taking a lot of time. And I'm looking at the mill, thinking, oh god, man, that's expensive. But I mean, you've got to value your time and think, well, if it saves me that amount of time getting this machine, I'm going to get the machine. So yeah, so my tip is all about time. Take your time and also value it. If you can find another way of doing it, it may cost money, but, you know, make that calculation. You know, is my time worth more than, you know, what the effect of this machine would have? So that's mine. Well, my tip is if you're going to do some sort of uh, uh, impression contest and you're going to be – you're going to do an impression and you're going to be – so brought up with other people and there's going to be somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose do it gracefully i <laughs> recent just to if there are new listeners in the last episode of uh, 2018 there was an impression contest of me uh, it's ridiculous but it's fine and and a few guys and, and i need to make a couple corrections are the champion the undisputed well he's a little disputed the champion is mike <laughs> Depel. I it's not we were Dipple. calling him Mike Dip, Dipple. We were, we were calling him Dipple all the time. And I got a firm talking to after he won that it's Mike Depel. So Mike, congratulations. Mike and we had some late we had some people who entered late, and that's the reason why he won. And and I'm uh, you're you're the winner, you're still the champion. I got a message from Josh Scott saying he feels like he should have won. And as I said in the last episode, I'm taking care of you. I'm I'm taking care of you, Josh. Josh actually, <laughs> Josh actually sent me a screenshot from a celebrity a celebrity listener. Salem Straub apparently felt like he, uh, Josh was robbed, so he sent. I got a screenshot of of, jo- of Josh <laughs> talking to Salem, and Salem says, uh, "You tell Fader that." Uh, 
that uh, you should have won. And he sent it to me, and I said, hey, Josh, if Jared Thatcher of Boot Hill Blades had submitted in time, you would have been a fucking strong third. So if, if you if submit your pro- – submit it, and then gracefully, gracefully accept your the, – the judging – and uh, we had another guy uh, who, uh, who uh, his name was Winklebilt Custom Knives. He did a, this long impression of me that was That was fine. good. It was fine. Was I, look, I'm not going to say anything. The guy, I think the guy's got cauliflower ears and a black eye. I got a feeling he's an MMA fighter. So as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, I, I would have given you I, – you I, did a good job. It was fine. It was fine. And then, and then the best part was – was that Josh Scott decided to? He listened to what we said about the oh, you gotta clear your throat and this, and then he redid his he redid his um, he redid his impression. But the best part was after doing two impressions of me, he had to go on and say, "I just want you all to know that Jeff Fader is a friend of mine. He must have had I, he's a friend of mine. I, he must have been getting like messages from people saying, what are you doing? Who are, who is this guy that you're like constantly <laughs> making fun of? I'm not fucking famous. I'm nobody. I'm a fucking blip on a blip. And apparently, I think there's some people went after him like, what are you doing? You're going after some like mentally challenged person? What is this impression? So he had to like back off and apologize. That was my favorite part. But uh, so, yeah, so my tip of the day is to, you know, be graceful in defeat. Welcome to Knife Talk Podcast. <laughs> you know what? That oh one's God. the fucking best. You know what? You win. You're the champion. I like your impression of his impression of my impression. Do that again. Do that oh one more God. time. Welcome to Knife Talk Podcast. <laughs> it's kind of like a Apu in there. Apu from The Simpsons. Come again. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one, Craig. That was a good one. I'm back at it. So here's what we do. So every, every episode we bitch. That's really what it comes down to. It's not where's the beef. It's, <laughs> it's we just bitch and moan. So this year we're going to bitch and moan about something. And we're, we last uh, year we had the All Beef Review, which is our I think our most popular episode. Everyone – they bitched, and we read about their bitching. So here we are. This is we're going to start to bitch. So somebody start off bitching. Okay, I'll start. I'll start. Um, stickers on things. <laughs> so I've just got a brand new load of G10 sheets in, um, and they've all got these stickers on, which is great. It tells you what they are, the size, the color, and all the rest of it. But they just take ages to remember. They leave this horrible residue on there, and it just drives me crazy. I know you can just get some acetone and wipe them off, but it's just it's just another step that doesn't need to happen. So if you're sending out G10 sheets to your supplier, just write on them. Use a marker pen. Just write on them what they are. No need for a sticker. No need. And that's where the, bar, that's where the pens always they, – they always – under the stickers where the Sharpie is. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anybody um, else? What are we beefing about this week? All right. All right, all right. So this week, uh, I I got a beef with people that basically talking shit about stuff made in China. Uh, you'll you'll hear people say, "Oh, it was it was probably the, made in the China." Invasion like, the invasion is continuing. The invasion's continuing. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. And I know there's like a lot of political shit going on right now with China and stuff. So I'm not really trying to get into that. I'm just, it frustrates me when people are like, oh, it was probably just made in China. And, and I understand, you know, being patriotic and wanting the best things that you own in your life uh, made in the United States. But like, I'm using an Apple phone and an Apple Mac talk, uh, MacBook right now. Uh, 
they were made in China. If you look around your life, and I imagine probably like 50% of the stuff you own was manufactured in China. And China gets a bad rap um, because, you know, shitty stuff can be made in China. Shitty stuff can be made anywhere. But that comes back to who's having it made. Not the maker, but who's paying to have it made. And they're trying to up their profit margins by paying as little as possible to have a thing made. And so what happens? You get it, you use it, it falls apart, and then you blame China. But you should be blaming whoever the fuck had Shout that out thing to made. China. <laughs> hey, man, Big I'm part Shout Chinese. Shout out to China. So <laughs> I'm part Chinese. So, um, but really, I am. But anyway. <laughs> but which but no, part? Just, which part? From the ankles down? <laughs> Keep from going, the, keep going. It's from my great grandma's right, side. All right. Uh but anyways. I, uh and no, it just it drives me nuts because people are always given given shit made from made in China a hard a hard time. The reality is really great stuff can be made in China. Some of the fine best technology that we have in the world comes from China, but still everybody loves talking shit about China. Right. And it's really the the the, the manufacturer or not the manufacturer, but the companies having stuff made that should be getting the go. Might I just yeah. slightly counterpoint your beef with with respect <laughs> oh, to your, with your I didn't realize we're Well, we, I mean a, we need to I mean with 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 peace and love and respect to your ancestors. The the, the made in China thing, the really issue is is the, the the treatment of the workers in China is not very good. That's, that's one of the reasons why you're right. getting stuff at a fraction of a cost. So you're talking about like, sure. you know, you talk about the iPhone. I know they put the Foxcons, they put nets outside there. So when people jump out to right. commit suicide, they're thwarted at the end. It, look, I agree with you. But at the same time, you understand that. You know, this cheap Chinese shit comes at a cost and it's the it's the human cost. These poor people right. are not they're not really, you know, they're not well taken care of. If you have to have a job where you're living in a dormitory and then you're kind of forced to keep working, that ain't so great either. So I'm with you. I buy shit. I bought some goddamn G10 from China, and goddamn it, I love it until everybody else started buying it, and all of a sudden I got this pallet full of goddamn cherry red G10. But at the same time, it's like we need to because we're going to get messages. People are going to message you. Oh sure, yeah. and I'm sorry. So I should have been love, more clear. Peace I love wasn't to your Chinese I wasn't ancestors. Saying, <laughs> I wasn't saying Maleko. that. Maleko, Maleko, Maleko. <laughs> you're all squared away, man. I'm with you. I'm with you, my brother. I'm done. Okay, I wasn't saying that <laughs> stuff should be made at at the at the cost of the well being of others. I know, I know. We just, I'm gotta, just talking you just about add the, that. the quality add of that. the manufacturer. You have to add. Right. You, just have, you have yeah. to add that. Jeff, Otherwise, you had four days right. off, and you found a heart in that four days. I know. I'm heartless. I'm heartless. I, you know what? That comes from me not wanting to get these fucking DMs. They're like, what are you talking about? China, fuck China. I don't want those. This is self-serving. I do everything I do is self-serving. <laughs> Trust me. Zero heart. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give what's, a fuck. What's your beef then, Jeff? All right. I'm gonna, I was going to go easy. You know, I was going to go hard in the paint on something, but I'm going to go. I'm going to save a hard in the paint one. I am not. I don't like or I want. If I could never have to use a four and a half inch right angle grinder, I would never, I hate them. I used them for 25 years for cleaning welds and for uh, for all the stuff you do with a goddamn right angle grinder. I fucking 
hate them. I hate the smell of cutoff wheels. I hate the sound. I hate everything. And they're the most dangerous. I'm going to tell you two quick dangerous stories. They're fucking terrible. And when I was 19, I was working in this uh, school, working for the sculpture in Brooklyn. We, everything we did was all old, rusty steel. We'd have to take right angle grinders. They were usually eight inch right angle grinders. We'd have cup brushes, uh, braided wire cup brushes. We were all we were doing all day long is wire brushing this old steel to make it look kind of cool, right? And I'll never forget. It was hot in the summertime, and my shirt was like, you know, we were leaning in, leaning in, and it grabbed my shirt and did what we refer to as the alligator, where it kind of binds up and crawls up towards your neck. Fucking hate that. And then the next thing is these goddamn grind. Some asshole in the in the in the four four and a half inch grinder community says, "Hey, I got this great idea. This machine isn't dangerous enough." The four enough. and a half grinder community. The four. I don't know. I mean, whoever <laughs> built the whoever came up with this goddamn death trap. It's like a it's like a fucking. It's the worst thing. I've, I hate. I, I gotta use them, but I hate. So somebody those fuckers decided that. Um, now, when I say fuckers, all I think of is Josh Scott saying, hey, fuckers. All right. So, so when somebody figured out that if you take – let's put a – let's make a blade out of a chainsaw wheel. So they made these little four-and-a-half-inch chainsaw bits, and they're like – I mean, danger upon danger upon danger. And I was in college. You know I've seen these on Facebook ads all this week. I've they never seen are, them before. They are – I've been – when I was in college – 1996, our senior year in college, my, my college roommate, shout out to my college roommate, Miles Van Rensler. That's Miles Van Ren on Instagram. You should definitely follow him. He's a bronze caster and a glassblower. He was working on he, – he found this stump of wood and he was going to use this goddamn chainsaw on a, on a chainsaw bit on a carving bit on a, on a four and a half inch grinder. He starts, and he starts carving and he hits a knot. The knot comes back and it cuts his tendon in his hand and thank – God, he usually wears these kind of I used to call them fruity pants. They're kind of like um, they're kind of like sweatpants, but not. They're like you know like lighter material, and it went down. And thank God, these fruity pants had a zipper on it because all of a sudden I hear the grinder hitting a knot. There's a fucking whirl and a noise, and then it stops. Shit. And I that's right. And I look over. And Miles is holding his hand where his blood streaming down, and the grinder is fucking at his dick. It's 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 bound up on the goddamn <laughs> zipper of his goddamn oh fight. It would have not only cut his dick off and his balls, but it would have cut into him and it would have fucking disemboweled him. It was like the craziest look. I look, he says, oh, he used to call me Fades. So he goes, hey, Fades, uh, I think I got a problem. Blood's gushing everywhere. I have to run and unca- untangle the, the goddamn. And that's the thing about these right angle grinders. You either do the paddle switch or the switch. The paddle switch sucks because it, it, it binds up. It makes your hands tired. But it's a little bit less dangerous. Fuck you and your right angle grinders. And I have to use them. And I, I hate everything about them. Beef out. You fuckers. Okay. As Josh well, Scott says, st- you fuckers. You fuckers. <laughs> I'm off to start four, four and a half inch right angle grinder, grinder talk in your podcast. Because yeah. apparently yeah. there's a big community out there. <laughs> it's a fucking right angle <laughs> grinder community. Everyone uses those goddamn right angle grinders. They're the worst. And I'll give you a pro tip. If you want a little quick pro tip with a right angle grinder, if, you want, if you're a welder and you want to 
a really quick tip. You, if you sign your name with a MIG welder, don't make any, just nice and easy, sign your name, don't weave or anything like that. And then you hit it with the right angle grinder, the top, just to take the top off. And then you hit that, you lean into it with the wire brush, you'll have a beautiful signature. Fuck you, right angle grinders. I've had it with you. <laughs> okay, Bye, I think fuckers. we're nearly done with the show. We got one question from the forum, um, which we've neglected over the last few weeks. Um, but it's busy. There's a lot of people using the forum, helping each other out. So if you've got questions that we haven't answered, head, head over to knifetalk.net and hit the forum link. There's please, please, please don't DM me with your questions. Go to the forum. I'm begging of you. I'm begging yeah. of you, please, please. And there's plenty of people there who can help too. Plenty please. Of so JR Knifemaker, he asks about, he's got an endless supply of seasoned hawthorn and oak. Uh, the oak being the proper hard bone oak from dead standing branches. Yeah, baby, hard bone um, oak. He's saying he doesn't have a stabilizing setup and he's wondering what woods lend themselves to use non-stabilized. So what, what woods are you using that, that don't have to be stabilized basically? What do we think? Shall I go first? Yes. Okay. Um, any sort of, um, I wouldn't say any hardwood, but, but things like African hardwoods, um, ebony, and, and, you know, that really hard, hard, hard stuff. Um, if trying to stabilize that is, is just no, no point because it's super, super dense. There's no air in there at all. Um, so anything like that, I mean, there's no point in stabilizing. Um there's things like amaret and things like that, which we get here in France. Um, some walnut as well, which is super hard. Any sort of heartwood, I'd say, is it probably isn't worth stabilizing. Um, and they're going to be super, super hard. I've used that zero coat, and that doesn't need to be stabilized. And then, mm, uh, yeah. and uh, I, you know, I don't know if we've, I don't know if this is a big thing. I know that, I don't know if people use epay very much in uh, knife making, but that shit is so dense. They store it in the uh, bottom mm. of a river. I mean, yeah, you get you get much more stabilized than that. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, right? The, you know, there's those woods, but I mean, if you if you do want a stabilizing setup, they're not they're not too expensive. I think the most expensive part really is getting the the stabilizing resins, uh, particularly here in Europe, because there's not really a supplier of you know everybody uses cactus juice. There's not but really that stuff's a, great so, because it doesn't you don't you don't have to throw it out. You can re- keep reusing it. Yeah, yeah, but there there isn't really a supplier here in Europe. So there's I use 100 term which is a similar thing that's made in Russia. Um, but yeah, I suppose that's that's the barrier for a lot of people, getting the resins. Because the actual machine sure. is probably $100. You'd probably be able to get the, the pump and the um, and the chamber needed. The old pump and chamber. Right. The old pump and chamber. Well, <laughs> Go ahead. And in the U.S., <laughs> K&G is a great resource for sending material to. And actually, yes. I think you can send it there from anywhere. Uh, but... For the costs, I mean, you can send a, a medium flat rate box and send, and have them send it back, and it would cost about 150 bucks. I think the last time we sent wood out, I, and it, it depends on how much, I guess, resin uptake there is into the material. Yeah, they wait before um, and after, right? Exactly. And so, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I think using them, especially... Uh, depending on how you value your time. If you're really into stabilizing wood, like I suggest do it. But if you you would rather not stabilize it and you got you think you can spend your time more effectively elsewhere, I would suggest just sending it out to KNG or someone else who can do process the material because 
by the time it gets back, it's professionally done by a company that's been doing it for fucking like 20 years. And they create, they do a really good job. Shout out to k for, uh, for sure. Yeah. I just, I, I can't, I, I've thought about stabilizing, but I know that I don't really give a shit about doing the stabilizing basically and uh, going, putting the wood through that process. And I, and again, trusting somebody who's been doing it for decades, uh, I'd rather just send it to them to do the job right. Um, but regarding other woods that I've used that weren't stabilized, so the African blackwoods, uh, the ebony, um, ironwood is another one, cocobolo which is like a rosewood from Central America and Mexico. Um, those are, there aren't very many, sta- uh, sorry, there aren't very many woods that I would use unstabilized. Snakewood is another one. And a lot of them is because they're so dense, not just dense from the fibers being very tight, but because they're waxy and mm. full of resin. That's the other reason. They just, some woods just will not stabilize because they have their own natural resin in the material. It the they can't stabilize. Yeah. So so you wouldn't put a, uh, you don't need a stabilized snakewood. I've never used stabilized snakewood. You never, snakewood, you never put, that, put that snakewood up in that chamber. Put on that vacuum no. pump on that snake <laughs> snakewood. I know where you're going. I know. Ah, where you're come going. on, baby. No. You're not gonna put that little pump pump on that snakewood. Come on, baby. <laughs> That, that chamber. But you mentioned Cocobolo there. I, that, I think that's probably a good example. So if, if you use, if you're grinding through um, some wood, some sanding down some wood, and it's gumming up your belts really, really quickly, which Co- right. Cocobolo does all the time, and it's 100%. It's horrible stuff. But uh, that's the kind of stuff that probably doesn't need stabilizing because it's, it's, it's super dense. It's, it's like gummy. You know, it's, it's not going to take any resin anyway. You fuckers. Come on, give me one more time. Give me one more time, Craig. Come on. Welcome to Night Talk Podcast. <laughs> that should be in our fucking bumper, dude. You should you should you should do that in our bumper. Should do. Should do. We, yeah, we, should. Yeah. yeah, you know what? That was a but we're back to you know what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Fucking Jeff fall for the trap. God well, damn look, it. That's a show. That's a show. So um a reminder of a few things. There's the forum. Um, at knifetalk.net. We've got the supplier list there at knifetalk.net as well. Um, we've got the Knife Talk t-shirts. We've got some new t-shirts coming. Um, also remember, we got this amazing discount for AM Concepts um, for 10% off one of their grinders, and they're already cheap. Um, also, support Even Heat. They're, they're amazing. They're, you know, they're Even Heat. They're the best, the best in the business. Um, and that's it from us. Is there so a sticker thing sp- coming out? Are you getting any stickers or something? We're getting stickers. We're getting stickers. Oh. So the last few episodes, we've had people, we've dropped audio in from people. So if they've got a question, if, if you as a listener have a question or whatever, send us a video and we'll rip that audio off and we can put it into the show. And if you appear on the show, you will have a little sticker. I've appeared on Knife Talk. Welcome to Knife Talk Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't send him nothing. He complained. I'm, I'm taking care of him. Don't worry about him. That's a full circle. That's Jeff doing an impression of somebody doing an impression of Jeff. Oh, man. Crazy times. Lock it up. Lock it up, baby.
Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.